photography lovers and welcome to another episode of your most favorite show. At least, that's what I hope. This is the Fashion Photography Podcast and my name is Virginia Yancheva. I'm a little bit sick still, so that's the reason why my voice sounds so different. At the very beginning of the show today, I would like to tell you that you absolutely need to join our Facebook group called the Fashion Photography Podcast again. Just because you know it's July, which means we are going to have another absolutely free portfolio review with your photographs. And we're going to announce the portfolio review in the Fashion Photography Podcast Facebook group. So join it if you want to know the latest news. I would also like to say a big thank you to all of the people that are reaching out with Instagram DMs and emails for how much they love the show. It really means the world to us. Thank you so much for these messages and just keep up with them because they are super amazing and they're making us so happy, as I said. I think it's finally time to tell you what are we going to talk about today. What is the common thing between economy and photography? Because my guest really knows the answer. And this is not the only answer that he knows. He's also going to tell you why he decided to leave his agent and take his own business into his own hands. Therefore, we'll hear what are the pros and cons of having an agent. How did he land his first job? A campaign for Adidas. This was his first job, guys. Can you imagine? If you want to know how, just listen to the podcast. We're also going to share some of the technical aspects of his photos. So the last thing that I want to tell you is just enjoy. Hello, my name is Chris Tribblehorn. I'm a photographer from Switzerland, living in Sweden now. Now, so as far as I get, you have been living somewhere else too. Yeah, I grew up in Switzerland and uh, after studying in the States, I moved to Sweden. I think it was around 2005 and uh, now I'm living in this beautiful country for about 12 years. When you moved to study, was it photography that you were studying? Yeah, I was studying photography at the Academy of Art in San Francisco. Why did you decide to go there? It was more or less a coincidence. I was actually studying economy, <laughs> and uh, but uh, my English was really, really bad. So I booked the language course mm -hmm. to study English in San Francisco. And uh, there I met people from the academy and I changed my major, study photography, going to art school. What a sweet coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite, that was a big change, actually, yeah. Definitely. I always took images in my spare time, but I never realized that this could be a job, actually. This was just for fun, and I never realized this could be a professional thing, actually. What was the reaction of your family <laughs> when you were in one direction and then something so different? They were not too worried because they thought, this is just a thing that he wants to do for like half a year or something. He's uh -huh. going to come back and study <laughs> economy again continues as planned, but that didn't happen. For how long you've been studying the economy thing? I was actually studying for already three years, so I was uh, quite a bit in there already. You were almost at the end. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so surprised. I don't know about your parents. <laughs> yeah, they were not too pleased, I can say. I bet. But now it's okay. Uh -huh. So you have a good, a solid ground to become a very well-known photographer with a good price because you know economy. 
now it's the other way around. Now economy is, I, I still think that's quite interesting how things work, so, but I'm very glad that I don't work in that field. Oh, you kind of do. I mean, Ah, still. yeah, of course. I mean, it comes <laughs> in handy all the time, especially if you work with own agents and with clients. It's very good if you have an idea, a little idea of the business, of course. I mean, most you learn by doing, but uh, that you know their motivation as well. You can, it's probably easier to see the mm -hmm. client's point of view. And you mentioned that you have an agent. When did this happen? I actually got my first agent very soon after school. I was really lucky to get an agent in New York. That's how I started working. A friend of mine was a graphic design assistant, was on an advertising shoot in New York and told me about the agent and gave me the agent's address. And I just stopped by and showed my book. Oh, that's a really good friend. <laughs> Yeah, that was really nice. She was just starting as well. So she was an assistant at an ad agency at the time. She just called me up and said, why don't you go see Suzanne? She's a really good agent here in New York. And it was really hard to actually get an appointment. But then to my surprise, she signed me up. <laughs> so that was a, a nice surprise, actually. Yeah. And as far as I understand, you are not with her right now? The whole business changed so much. So maybe about 10 years ago or seven years ago, I had three different agents for each oh. region. And now I have no agent anymore. That's because with social media and with the internet and everything, it's just not that important anymore. Or maybe it is important. It depends where you live. It depends what you want to do. But for me right now, it's better not to have an agent because they cost a lot as well. Well, that's very interesting because most of the people are thinking and saying that it's super important to have an agent. So you've been there and now you're on your own. Can you tell us what are the pros and cons of having and not having an agent? Of course, I would say if you start out in the beginning, you really need an agent because you don't have any contacts. But then, of course, over the years, you keep on working with the same client, your network grows because an art director or a creative director or a fashion director moves to another company and he calls you again. So your network just starts growing. But after a few years, it feels like you're doing all these jobs and your agent doesn't do that much actually anymore to get your new clients. So it feels kind of easier if you deal with them directly. And the con is, of course, it is more paperwork. You have to write offers and everything. But then if you work with your agent, you constantly discuss about this anyway. And if you do this for 10, 15 years, you might as well do it yourself. <laughs> for how long did you stay in the States after you finished the university? After university, I went back to Switzerland, actually, and to Milan to get some editorial clients to shoot for some magazines. And then I went back to New York with my first agent. I'm from Europe. If you work in the States, you need a work permit and everything. It's really difficult otherwise. And I wouldn't recommend that. So the agent got me a work permit and I was working right away. I was very lucky to get Suzanne as an agent. I think it was almost the first week that I got a campaign. So that was wow. It was a good start. Yeah. Yeah. What was the feeling that you had? 
when you had your first campaign, were you worried? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was very strange. I was actually super surprised because uh, I was counting on this is going to take months till I get a job. But sometimes it's a coincidence if you're at the right place at the right time and then it's working. And then at the other times you try and try and try and nothing happens. <laughs> and, and at the other times you walk into a door and they're like, oh, this this works perfectly. You get the job. It's just very hard to predict. What was the first job that you had? In New York, it was a campaign for Adidas. Wow. Good job to your agent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she did actually a great job. Yeah. So I can remember I came into the agency, into the advertising agency at the time where you didn't have just PDFs and internet. You really had, mm -hmm. they had physical books there in the agency. I came into their meeting room and there were books, photography books lined up there. I think it was like, oh, I don't know. It was the whole hallway. It was for <laughs> sure. It was like a hundred books there. And I was wow. thinking. Uh -huh. Okay, great. Yeah, this is one of those meetings. And then me and my agent, we were actually joking. They looked at so many books. They were probably just tired on, on Friday afternoon. My book lay on top. That's why I got the job. <laughs> that was the... What about the day of the shoot? Were you super worried? Were you nervous? Did you know what to I do? I never <laughs> have problems with that. I'm like nervous. I'm nervous before the job. Mm -hmm. But when I photograph, I don't think about it. I'm told I'm not nervous when I shoot. You can't really compare it with an actor. But I think a lot of actors, they are like super nervous before the curtain opens. But then when it opens, they're just on stage. And then they're not nervous anymore. Yeah. And you just have to do the job and that's it. No time to worry too much. Usually you're also so busy all the time. Something happens all the time. You concentrate <laughs> on the models. That's why you don't have time for that. It's probably the concentration that takes it away. Probably. Can you tell us about this particular photo shoot with Adidas? What happened before the photo shoot and how did you prepare for it? It was super professional preparation, of course, with the production company that took care of everything. It was super nice. But it was hard to find the right location. We drove around in a car for like a week, just mm -hmm. around New York. We actually needed a super simple location, which you would find very easily in Switzerland or Sweden, <laughs> but in New York, it was hard to find. And what about the technical side of this photo shoot? It was outdoors, but it was lit. We had a lot of generators. Everything worked fine. There were had a bunch of assistants that took care of all technical stuff. Do you want to say for the people who are new to the business, but they're listening to the podcast, why is it so important to let it by yourself, even when you have the sun? And many people would say, oh, I have the sun, you know, <laughs> no need to bring any additional light. <laughs> yeah, maybe you actually don't. Now, when I shoot outside, I usually use the sun as well and maybe a reflector to bounce off to make it less hard. But this particular campaign, we, we overpowered the sun with the light. So the, the sun was actually the fill light and the main light was the flashes. So it made the whole thing a bit unreal and eerie looking. Mm -hmm. What about your style since this shoot until today? Has it changed in any way? I guess it changed technically. I mean, you get influenced by a lot of other people all the time. I mean, by art, by photography. So you do change, but I would say in essence, it always stays kind of the same. Like, uh, you can't 
really decide on your style. It's what you like and that's how it looks like at the end. You can't really influence that that much consciously. Yeah. Even when you had an agent since the very beginning until now when you're doing everything on your own, can you tell us what was the hardest part back then and what's the hardest thing for you right now? Well, the hardest part back then was you don't get a job without images and without images, you don't get a job. It's like this vicious circle that you mm -hmm. have to try to break. It's important that you do images that don't look like everybody else's. I guess easiest is if you do what you like best yourself, so you get style develops automatically, it will be unique. It's not the hardest part, I would say, but it's something you have to watch out for, that you, that you don't just do what you always did. It's important that you stay curious, mm -hmm. that you realize that the time changes all the time. And I think that's too boring as well. Well, for example, I started doing much more film, for example, and mm -hmm. had no, uh, no idea how to do this a few years ago. And then I finally had to get an Instagram account. Actually, I didn't want to have one, but everybody told me you should have one as a photographer. You actually mean film like a moving image, not like a classic uh, method of uh, doing photography. Yeah, now it's like a lot of times I do classic photography, photograph the model, and then mm -hmm. we do a clip for television or just for social media as well. There's so much that changed technically. I think it wasn't possible back when everybody had film. It was too complicated, too time consuming. But now you can combine the two in a pretty good way, actually. Tell me, why were you against the Instagram? <laughs> no, I was not against Instagram, but it, it was a bit difficult for me to uh, present myself. I was mm -hmm. not used to that. I can remember uploading my first selfie that was very strange in a way. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get uh, relaxed about it and you just do it once in a while. I mean, it's not interesting if you just show work. I was not used to show so much personal stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's, of course, that changed completely. My assistants that are like around 20, they do that all the time. They do it completely naturally. And I have to admit, I learned it from them. I mean, that's also a thing. You can probably learn something from everybody. Oh, definitely. Like you said, everyone is doing selfies. People are getting closer to you. Whether we talk about your clients or the fans of your work, do you like that? It's just happening. You probably can still, like, not have any social media if you are doing really, really good work. No. You probably still get work. I haven't figured out how important it actually is, but I realized the job we are doing in two weeks, mm -hmm. an advertising job, they actually took images from my Instagram page, presented it to the client, Just the samples, actually, not me as a photographer, but they really liked the images. And then they couldn't remember where they had the images from, of course. Oh. But they could trace me back. You can say that I got the job because my images were on Instagram, which is completely new. I think this is the first campaign that I got indirectly over social media. It's very interesting to me what you said that maybe a very, very good artist might not have an Instagram account. Like they can have this luxury. 
But I'm not quite sure. This is super interesting. I think I'm going to uh, give it a lot of thought. You can maybe promote that as well. I don't even have a phone. You have to stop by and ring at my door. I am not <laughs> being unavailable can be very attractive. I can imagine. I'm not that kind of person, but I can imagine that that could work as well. Oh, probably. We live in crazy yeah. times, so probably everything can work. So while we are talking about Instagram, do you want to share your Instagram account so that more people can follow you? Chris Triplehorn. Very simple. And it's also linked in the show notes guide, so you know where to click. The first image that I absolutely clearly remember from you was one for Elements magazine. It was a while ago when I saw it. Yeah, I think in January. Yeah, it was in January. Do you want to tell us about the photographs and the idea behind it? But keep in mind that many people are listening and probably working out or probably driving their car. So you have to tell us about the project and how it looks. Yes, of course. The thing started out with, I met the makeup artist, which work I liked a lot. Mm -hmm. And we decided on doing some reflective makeup and jewelry. So the whole idea was that we backlit the images, kept the model quite dark. So the glossy makeup and glossy jewelry, that there's a lot of contrast. And then, of course, when you shoot, everything turns out a little bit different than you think. That was a nice tip for everyone who doesn't know how to shoot a photo like this. Yeah, we worked with this big backlight in the studio. Just actually quite simple backlight behind the model with a screen in between and a little bit of fill for the model. So that's actually quite unusual that the main light comes from behind the model and not on the model, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's maybe why they look a bit different than usual beauty images. It's a beauty shot with just one model. She's super, super beautiful, guys. And for me, it's very interesting how you manage to shoot all of the images with this type of composition when we can still see everything, though it's a backlight, but we have beautiful reflections of each and every part of the makeup. It's super amazing, super good looking. You can see it on Chris' Instagram account and I believe also on his website that it's also linked in the show notes. So you can guys take a look at it. And can you, Chris, tell me how the idea came up? Was it you or was it the makeup artist? The makeup artist and I, we just sat together and we were thinking about how to show the makeup. And the makeup artist was actually not interested in the technical aspect at all, which is great. He has to take care of the makeup and I take care of the light. Of course, it has to fit together. Of course. But you knew from the very beginning that you want reflective makeup. Yes, exactly. I think that's very important that you know what you want to do. I mean, sometimes things happen, of course. If you have an original idea, and then how much do you change it during the shoot? That's an ongoing question for every shoot, actually. And uh, I think it's good if you start exactly with the idea. Also, for me, this works best if I start with the idea that I had in the beginning, and then I see if it works. And if it works, I continue. And if it doesn't, we change it. It doesn't work if you try to force something too much. But if it's too loose, if you don't have a concept, I think that's very difficult as well. And you always need a backup plan, in other words. Yeah, I mean, this was when you shoot for a magazine, 
I actually try not to plan too much and I don't really have a backup plan. But then for an advertising shoot, you really need that, of course, because mm -hmm. you can't just change what you want and stuff. Definitely. What do you prefer, be honest here with me, advertising work or editorial work? I actually really like both. I'm lucky with that. Some of my friends, they hate advertising jobs and they really like only their editorials. I really do like both. It's a complete different challenge. The thing was with editorial work that the conditions were almost like on an advertising job, actually. It started to mm -hmm. be super important that you have certain brands in it and get the right watch yeah. for this shop. And I stopped working for some magazines because if I can't do what I want for an editorial, it's kind of pointless. I actually started to do tests again, which I haven't done for a long time. Nice. So we just got together with like stylist, makeup artist, model, and then you develop something and then you send it out to magazines. And then it was really our work. But sometimes uh, nowadays when you work for a, the regular editorial, they, they want to decide over the photographer, they want to decide so much. That's not the point of an editorial anymore in my eyes. But you enjoy doing tests right now, which is great because it's also an amazing way to show your work to more and more people. Yes, exactly. Of course. Yeah. Even if it's not paid. Yeah, that's fine. Do it for the fun, of course. This is also how you get your advertising jobs afterwards, of course. This is very interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So far, so good. This was part one of my interview with this amazing guest. Hope you loved it and that you are going to come back next Wednesday to listen to the second part. Thank you so much guys for being with us and have an amazing week. Bye.